0: This year has been a year of firsts and a year of terms that are now part of our common vernacular. I jotted down about 30 terms a couple of weeks ago, just trying to think, um, think well, what are some new terms that we know, like uh, social distancing, uh, shelter in place, uh, Black Lives Matter, etc. This year has been just supercharged with controversy, politically, And of course, the national pandemic, or or world pandemic, I should say, um, and and it's become I've become more and more convinced this past year that that if we're to change the world for the positive, not the negative, but the positive, um, we can't change the change the world through force or through manipulation or control, uh, but we have to do so in the way that Jesus suggested on the night of the last supper this was his theme one of the last things he told his disciples one of the last teachings if not the last teaching was monday thursday monday comes from a latin word mandi mandate or command and so when jesus we refer to Monday, Thursday as the new command from John chapter 13, 34. When Jesus told them that night, A new command or Monday I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. Well, at the end of three years with his disciples, Jesus taught them a new command to love one another? That doesn't sound new to me. But it was new in the sense that it was a deeper commitment to this love that Jesus had always taught and God had always taught throughout all of Scripture. So how did Jesus demonstrate this deeper commitment to love one another that he's calling his disciples, his followers, to adhere to? Well, first... He said, you'll love one another by serving one another, right? Verse 4, so he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Well, for the disciples, the thought of stooping to such a level as becoming like a household servant to wash one another's feet, well, that was just... Asking too much when they arrived in, the up, in this room, upper room, that was loaned to them for their meal. Uh, there was not a household servant. Well, they all looked around, no servant. Well, they sat down and they ate the meal with dirty feet. Because none of them would consider to stooping that low to become a servant to one another. Especially the hard-headed Peter. But after the meal, uh, Jesus would assume the servant role, and he would, uh, which would make no sense to his disciples whatsoever. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet too? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. To which Peter responded, no, you shall never wash my feet. There is no way... That's not appropriate. Messiahs and kings are meant to be served. They're not meant to serve. James Miller wrote of Adolf Hitler, who was looking for a chauffeur. And so Adolf Hitler interviewed 30 different men uh, to be a chauffeur. And finally he um, decided on one who was the shortest of all of them. In fact, this guy was so short that they had to put blocks underneath his seat so that he could see over the steering wheel. And this chauffeur would uh, serve Hitler uh, for his entire reign. Hitler wanted to aim to use and control people to make himself feel bigger. Well, Jesus demonstrated the exact opposite. In the incarnation, Jesus took on the role of a servant and he made himself smaller that we might know God. Mark 10. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He emptied himself, become a servant. In verse 8, Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, Peter, you have no part with me. And then skip down to verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And then later on he gave the new command in verse 34. To love one another, as I've loved you, so you must love one another. He demonstrated what this love looks like, where the rubber meets the road. In John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Mary Glover serves um, in a homeless shelter, and every day there's a soup kitchen on the East Coast where uh, homeless people come. And there are a host of volunteers from churches and and organizations. And every day she leads them in prayer Lord, we know that you'll be coming through the line today. So, Lord, help us treat you well. In other words, Jesus said, I've washed your feet. You should also wash one another's feet. To which maybe the disciples would have been thinking, Lord, Okay, I will wash your feet, but don't ask me to wash Peter's feet. Man, have you smelled those feet lately? Jesus said, if, if if you refuse to wash the feet of others, then you refuse to wash my feet. If you refuse to serve them, you refuse to serve me. If you refuse to love others, then you refuse to love me. As we practice this new command to love Christ, as or love others as Christ loved us, then then we will see hearts changed and touched. And as hearts are touched, then people will change one by one. And when people change, then our community will change little by little. And our workplace will change. And our church will change. And our culture will change. Jesus said, if you want to see change, then follow my model. This past year, I've learned that we cannot change people or cultures or communities through force and manipulation and shame and um, control of others. Through arguing louder, We, we cannot. But we can do so. By how we love one another and how we demonstrate the servant-mindedness of, of our Savior. <clears throat> but Jesus did more than wash feet. <clears throat> his message would contain something even far greater. He demonstrated his love by dying for us. And that would come the next day. He would give up his life for us. In John 13:1, Jesus said it or it was said. Just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, or to the utmost. Jesus knew that he was about to leave this world by way of the cross, by way of the excruciating um, execution that he was about to endure. He would leave this world, and he would return to his Father. You might be thinking, but why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't God, who's a loving God, just forgive us? Why couldn't he just accept us with his unconditional love? And I think you know the answer. From the beginning of time, God said the soul that sins will die, or the wages of our sin is death. God is a righteous judge, and that's how he set up the universe. That's justice. The consequence of our sin is death. It's, it's spiritual death, it's physical death, and it's eternal death. Philip Yancey, in the movie The Last Emperor, have you seen that years ago? The, this young child who was anointed the last emperor of China lived a life of luxury. He had like a thousand different servants at his command. And his older brother asked the boy emperor, what happens when you do wrong and mess up? To which the boy emperor responded, when I do wrong, someone else is punished. To which he picked up a jar and he threw it on the floor and he had one of his servants beaten. Philip Yancey adds, in Christianity, Jesus reversed that ancient pattern of leadership. When when the servants made mistakes or erred, the king was punished. Grace is free only because the giver himself has borne that cost. Matthew 20, just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, it goes on, and to give his life as a ransom to many, which is the ultimate act of servanthood, to give up one's life. So the washing of the feet would have been a prelude to his greater act of service. It would have been a preamble. It would have been a parable in action, setting this great principle of lowly service into fulfillment as he went to the cross. In other words, Jesus rose from supper to wash the feet, a place of rest and comfort. But Jesus rose from his throne in heaven a place of rest and comfort to come to us. Jesus laid aside his garments, taking off his covering. Well, Jesus laid aside his glory, taking off his heavenly covering. Jesus took a towel and girded himself, being ready to work. Jesus took the form of a servant and came ready to work. Jesus poured water into a basin, ready to clean. Jesus poured out his blood to cleanse us from the guilt and penalty of our sin. Jesus sat down again after washing the disciples' feet. And then Jesus would sit down at the right hand of God the Father after cleansing us of our sin. You see, so this Last Supper washing of the feet would demonstrate something far greater that would affect the entire world. Uh, Jesus, some have asserted that the cross is a cosmic um, it's a it's a cosmic dictatorship from heaven Um, it's a cosmic form of child abuse I mean why Uh, what kind of god do we serve who would say hey son come here come here I want you to go to earth and I want you to suffer the most excruciating death so that these yo-yos can be forgiven okay go go you got to go and, and so many people say, I can't serve a God like that who would put his son on the cross if that's what you Christians believe. Well, the plain and simple answer to that is God did not force Jesus. Jesus chose to do so out of love. In verse 3 we read that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus was given all the power to choose. He had access to all of heaven's power and authority. He could have called down legions of angels to come and rescue him before going to the cross or at any time, and God would have honored that because God had given him the power. But Jesus utilized his power to take the low form of a servant and to go to the cross for us. He was in complete control when he went to the cross because... Because of his love for you and for me. That was his motivation. He would rather die like this than spend an eternity without you and without me. In fact, had Jesus had chosen this course from the beginning of time, we're told in 2 Timothy, that he did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ, God the Son. There's a missions theologian named Leslie Newbigin who said, Jesus has laid aside his life for us all, and we owe Jesus Christ for what he has done for us. The debt we owe to Jesus is to be fulfilled by our service to our neighbors. So what does that mean? It means this, practically. My neighbor is now the appointed agent authorized to receive what I owe my master. When I wash Jesus' feet, I wash my neighbor's feet. My spouse is the appointed agent authorized to receive what I owe Jesus Christ, my king. I wash Jesus' feet as I wash hers. My children are the appointed agents authorized to receive what I owe the king. I wash Jesus' feet as I wash their feet. Members of this church family are the appointed agents authorized to receive what I owe my king. I wash Jesus' feet when I wash your feet. My co-workers are the appointed and authorized to receive what I owe the king. I wash Jesus' feet as I wash that annoying co-workers or neighbors or family members or church members' feet. When I refuse to wash feet by serving them, I refuse to wash Jesus' feet. I refuse to serve him. Demonstrating this kind of sacrificial love and service will change people's hearts. And hearts that are changed will change our culture. Verse 35 Jesus said, By this, everyone will know. They will be convinced that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, by what? By how we serve and wash one another's feet. They will know and be convinced that this Christian faith that we believe in is legitimate. That's how we change our culture. Just one major problem to address and then I'll be done. Just in short minute sacrificial love like this doesn't come naturally to any one of us we're like the young emperor we want our way well this kind of love only comes from god supernaturally even jesus's right hand man the man peter failed him miserably right In verse 37, Peter said, Hey, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. To which Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. Many aspire to love others like Christ did, but we fall short like Peter did. And we do that on a regular basis. It wasn't until Jesus rose from the grave, and then 50 days later, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and filled him and all the other disciples and many believers, that Peter was able uh, to love the way Jesus was asking him to love, love in the same way that he loved them, sacrificially and consistently. Why is this? Well, I love this phrase. I use this an awful lot. Jesus laid down his life for us to give his life to us, to live his life through us. It's not us trying to live for Jesus. It's Jesus, us allowing Jesus to live his life through us by his spirit. And he empowers us to do so. And we're able to serve like Jesus served. We're able to um, love like Jesus loved sacrificially because we are indeed empowered by the very same Spirit of Christ. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and through me. So I don't know about you, but I desire to impact our culture and our community and our people around us. I desire to make an impact That's my calling and my purpose. It's yours too. But we will not change people by the use of force for the positive. We can do so negatively, but not positively. By manipulation and control and by anger and by shame, we cannot and will not change people that way. Jesus gave us the message on Monday, Thursday before his death. The only way that you can change anyone is by serving them, by loving them. And he gave us this command, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will be convinced that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so Lord Jesus, as we come to the table to meet with you, uh, to remember um, the extent of your, the love that you out for us on the cross. Um, I pray, God, that we will search our own souls and uh, where we are not walking consistent with your mandate, your new command, I pray, Lord, that you will um, empower us and you will direct us and you will lead us. Give us your thoughts, Lord, the mind of Christ. And as we come to meet with you at your table as well, Lord Jesus, and we ask you to fill us with your presence, that we may reflect your very being in and through our lives, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.